0: Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of Ian Hates Music Conversation Edition. I am very excited once again to announce another special guest. My guest tonight is Jason Wisdom of the band Death Therapy. Their brand new debut album, The Storm Before the Calm, came out very recently. And Jason was nice enough while he's out on tour to come on the show and talk everything Death Therapy. It's a really great and unique album. You should all definitely go out and pick it up. Once again, I'm going to keep this intro short. That way you can get to the conversation quicker. So let's give you a taste of death therapy and the storm before the calm with the track Self-Mind Dead. And I will see you again after the conversation. Enjoy. Welcome back, everyone. I am very excited today to have Jason Wisdom of the band Death Therapy on the show. Jason, how are you doing tonight?
1: i am been awesome, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. So you're off traveling yeah. around everywhere right now. You're out with Messages for Sylvia, Wolves at the Gate, and Red. Where are you tonight?
1: Uh, we are at El Corazon in Seattle, Washington. So we are as far away in the continental U.S. from my hometown in Atlanta, right. Georgia, as we can be, basically. <laughs> so, yep.
0: Absolutely. are doing it. Well, I saw on your Instagram today that you got to go to one of your favorite sandwich shops. What sandwich was it?
1: Okay, so uh, my first experience in Seattle, this is a little bit of backstory for you. My first experience in Seattle was when we, uh, my old band, become the Archetype, signed uh-huh. a record contract, 2004, 2005, and we flew up to Seattle, to track our record in at the tooth and nail studios at the time they had a re- a recording studio in the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was this place that they took us to eat one day, a uh, sandwich shop called the other coast, okay. um, cafe. And I became so addicted to their sort of like their, their signature sandwiches which is called the raging Cajun, uh, which is like, like a Cajun Turkey sandwich with like, uh, you know, like pepper Jack cheese and Cajun mustard and all this other, all Cajun, Mayo and all the kind of stuff. Nice, awesome, awesome sandwich. So fast forward, here we are now. It's been like ten years or more since right. I've been to Seattle, and I was like, man, I just just that was the best sandwich I've ever had. I got to go back and make sure. And sure enough, it it was just as good as I remembered. So that's
0: awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, for that uh, kind that's, of store. That's
1: a little pro- product placement. Yeah, product placement for the other coast.
0: Is Death therapy <laughs> sponsored by the sandwich shop?
1: Man, I wish. I wish they would sponsor me. I would I would get those sandwiches all the time. Just flash freeze them and send them to me at home. That would be pretty
0: awesome. Well let me ask you this. From yeah. all of your touring that you've done around with becoming the archetype and death therapy now, do you have favorite spots like that around the country?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean like every time we go every time we go to Chicago we have we have to get Chicago style pizza Absolutely. somewhere. We usually end up at we usually end up at Giordano's ah, sure. um in Chicago um get Chicago style pizza when we um trying to think but i mean you know texas we always have to have have to have barbecue
2: mm-hmm.
1: like uh it's almost sort of like a side hobby i think of being a touring <laughs> band is finding finding good places to eat and um that's definitely something that appeals to me so so yeah we've got lots of favorites around that are just awesome,
2: that's awesome very places cool.
1: to eat so yeah man i'm sure we'll eat it in and out like a thousand uh. times <laughs> when we get when we when we get to California next week, it's like after every show, somebody inevitably will ask to go to In-N-Out because it's open late kind of thing. Yep. And they also think, well, you're, you're not from here, so you must you must need to go to In-N-Out. And In-N-Out's, In-N-Out's good. I'm, I'm not dogging it, but like by the time I'm done with the week, I'll be like, man, I never want to eat In-N-Out again. <laughs> sure. Um, so,
0: Very yeah. nice. Yeah, I've done the same thing when I've been on the West Coast. I've only gone to In-N-Out once, and that was the one in Vegas. And it's like 30 minutes off the Strip it was worth it, but I understand yeah. how you could get tired of it if you're continually eating it.
1: Well, see, like, I, I live in the South, um, so I'm pretty used to like, there's greasy fried food on every corner. Right. Um, so it's not like a special thing to me. Maybe, I guess, if you live in California and like you eat kale all the time <laughs> or something in and out, in and out is a special treat. But to me, it's like, I mean, we've got five guys and we've got, you know, all these other places that mm-hmm. are just on every corner right um, to do the same thing so anyway, cool yeah Sorry, no no offense no offense to people who like kale
0: <laughs> I do tend to make a smoothie every once in a while. I completely understand yeah, man so that's one of your favorite parts of touring. What else do you look forward to especially on this tour right here, your first one with death therapy what do you really look forward to right now?
1: you know um I mean, I think the thing that makes touring, worthwhile and enjoyable i mean people don't i don't think people don't understand what it's like to be a band on tour most of your time is is spent in the van or you know staring at you know the country where there's nothing happening there's a lot of this country where there's just nothing there it's just grass or corn um (laughs) and so i think the thing that makes touring enjoyable and worthwhile is, is are the relationships that you get to you know get to revisit and having you know toured before, it's a lot of fun for me to, to get to these cities that I haven't been to in a long time, meet back up with people, um, you know stuff like that, visit old mm-hmm. friends. So I think that's I think that's what you know a lot of people. I mean, that's for me. I think a lot of people would say the same thing: is um, touring is you know the shows are fun, but that's like an hour of your day. You know, right. playing and on stage. And the rest of the time, you're looking forward to things like. You know, oh, we're going to, get to hang out with so-and-so, or we're going to eat at this place that's really awesome, or, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. We went, um, we went, we did some sightseeing the other day. We had a day off. We went to um, the Arches National Park. Oh, nice. Um, and it was, it was pretty awesome to get to see, you know, those kinds of things. So there's lots of things that you can, you know, do on tour to make it worth it. But, um, yeah, visiting people is probably my favorite.
0: That's very cool. I do ask that question because I do like to hear about things like that because yeah I think you're absolutely right people don't really think about that that yeah you're there that one night but then for the rest of 23 hours 22 hours you're doing something completely different.
1: Right, right. and we're not like you know we're not we're not on the level where we're sitting on a tour bus and like you know partying and all this kind of stuff <laughs> I mean we're you know we're we're getting done with the show and hopping in a you know a cramped van and you know driving to a cheap hotel or somebody's floor that they'll let us crash on with a air mattress or something. Um, you know what I mean? So yeah. so to have those sort of like those um, those places we can go and kind of, you know, decompress with people we know is, is really cool. So,
0: Well, what's the reception been for the band itself as you've been out on this tour, since you're fairly new to the scene, at least, you know, with the brand new album, The Storm yeah. Before the Calm. How have people really been with uh, receiving it?
1: It's uh it's been positive uh, so Good. far. I mean I think people are a little I think people are a little confused at first, because <laughs> um, we're a two piece band. Right. Uh, we play two piece live. Um, so just bass and drums. Um, I do bass and vocals. Mm-hmm. And then there's there's some like MIDI kind of like you know uh, industrial kind of backing tracks we play with. Um, but uh but yeah mostly it's just a so I think people are a little confused at first, but then I think they're kind of like oh this is cool. Yeah. And of course we're on tour with red is the headlining band and red is like a sort of your, I don't know. Uh, I don't I don't want to say this in a negative way, but they're <laughs> sort of like your sort of standard, almost like alternative Christian rock band. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yep. so for us to get up there, we're, you know, we're a little bit more metal. We're a little bit darker. We're a little bit more like, um, you know I mean? A little bit more outside the box. So I think, I think people, people are positive, but I'm not sure they know what to think because, Every night we have people come up to the table and I'm like, hey, have you heard of heard of our band? And they're like, no, well, never heard of it before. And I'm like, well, cool, we're going to play first. And, um, you know, they'll come up and say really nice things and stuff. So it, it's a pretty eclectic blend on this tour. There's us, um, you know, like industrial metal, and then there's Wolves at the Gate, who's more like sort of like indie rock metal, sure. uh, metalcore with indie rock stuff. And then Red, like I said, like a, you know, uh, Christian alternative rock band. Um, and so, it was a message from Sylvia. So, yep. yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty cool. And actually, I really appreciate when tours are diverse like that. I think, I think we've gotten away from that. Sadly, when the, the market got more saturated, we we got away from that. But I, you probably can remember like I do, back in the early 2000s. I mean, you'd have like a metal band come on to town on tour with a ska band yeah, on yeah. tour with a you know, pop punk band, mm-hmm. and that was just the tour. You know what I mean? And it was like, I thought that was cool. That, I felt like the scene was really, you know. Was really awesome back in those days because of that, and now I feel like it's just you know um, the metalcore tour t- comes to town or the the deathcore tour or whatever. So I think it's I think it's cool to be on a little bit of a diverse tour lineup.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I was actually going to ask that. I think you said it perfectly because I think now things are skewing a little bit more towards that kind of diversified tour that you're talking about. We've seen that a little bit more recently and maybe that trend will continue because, right, it does open up not only people to other forms of the genres, but then also it's got to help you with reaching out to a different fan base, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, and hopefully that's Hopefully that's what, you know, a big benefit of a tour like this for us is that everybody that comes has no idea who we are. Um, we've done some other touring, especially around the Southeast or, um, you know, Ohio Midwest, uh, just as Death Therapy by ourselves. Or mm-hmm. we did some, some stuff in November with Project 86. And those crowds were more familiar. They knew my old band. Um, but this, this crowd, like the kind of people that come to see Red, you know, when I said, well, have you ever heard of Becoming the Archetype? It's like, the who?
2: Right. Um,
1: which is, which is, which is cool, but it's also kind of intimidating because it's for me, it's like, man, now I've got to start from the ground up and, and earn these people, um, when I'm over, which is kind of, it's kind of exciting and cool. Like a, it's a fun challenge. Um, I don't have any, you know, I don't have any sort of equity that I've built up with them. Um, already, I got to start from, from zero. So right. pretty cool.
0: That's kind of surprising that they haven't heard of becoming the archetype because you were in that band for four full-length albums. That was a long period of your life, and it was a big band. So that's a little surprising to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, becoming the archetype—it's hard to measure. Uh, it's hard to measure how big, quote unquote, becoming the archetype was because sure. uh, we kind of were one of those weird bands that came around before social media was a big thing, and then then it became a big thing. And we wrote a little bit of that wave, but like we were always sort of a niche band because we were, we were early on in the sort of death metal core thing, but we always wanted to be more, we always wanted to be more progressive as well. Like Mm we, you know, we, we were the kind of guys who loved listening to, you know, dream theater and symphony X and, and those kind of bands, but also played in a death metal band. So so, we always, we were always kind of more of a niche band, niche niche. I don't know how people say that word (laughs) niche makes me feel really uncomfortable when people say that, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like one of those <laughs> weird niche, right, right. weird word, but uh, I say niche, but um, Me too. Yeah, we we're always kind of a niche band. And then, and then of course I go and, and create an even more niche band
0: yeah.
1: um, with death therapy. Cause now it's like, yeah, I think even a lot of people that enjoy what we're doing, it's almost like they feel like they, they're not sure if they're allowed to like it <laughs> because it's, they're like, they're like, I don't like, I mean, I don't know. I don't normally like industrial I kind of like this right you know and it's like well it's it's okay why well, you can yeah. just listen to what you like you're not gonna like lose scene points right. for right. enjoying a band with a little bit of industrial influence um but I, I honestly do think there's some of that that's going on with people sometimes they're they're like Oh no industrial what <laughs> you know so yeah. and but see for me for me for me it was like I didn't set out to do an industrial band i Um, Just like with BTA, we didn't set out to be anything in particular. And that's, I guess that's something I've carried over in my musical career, is I just like to make what sounds good to me, you know? So hopefully people appreciate that when they listen to the record. No two songs are the same, Um, and it's kind of been the case with everything I've done, and, and I think that would be the case moving forward. Like, when I write a song, I'm just trying to write what I think, you know, sounds good, feels good to me um and not worry about does it fit this mold or fit that mold um or anything like that so yeah
0: well while doing that did you pull from a completely different influence source between BTA and Death Therapy? Because they are significantly different. I mean, you do a lot of the same vocal styles, but you also change it up, and then obviously going from that kind of deathcore-ish sound to industrial goth or something like that, right. there's got to be that big difference. Um,
1: yeah. Um, as far as influences, I mean, I think with BTA, I uh, was it was more um, sort of a, a deliberate, technical sort of, we were shooting for, we were shooting to create something uh, and with this, I was more like trying to just let my influences that are the most natural part of me kind of come out. Okay. And so what I found with this sort of, sort of writing in a stream of consciousness kind of way, if you know what I'm talking about, it's kind of like, you know, put the canvas up on the wall and throw paint at it and see what happens. Sure. Um, kind of thing. Writing this album that, that way, it really revealed that a lot of the, influences that are most deeply embedded in me are the kind of things that I was listening to when I was in, you know, senior year of high school, junior, senior year of high school, which I think probably is true for most of us. You know what I mean? We hear those songs that we were listening to junior, senior year of high school, and they're kind of like, they have a special place in our soul.
0: Sure.
1: Um, so lo and behold, when I start writing music to just kind of stream consciousness, it comes out sounding like, late nineties, Marilyn Manson, yeah. Rob Zombie, Nine Inch Nails, Rage Against the Machine, I'll put in a blender. Right. Well, that makes sense. That's what, that's exactly what I was listening to, you know, at that time. So, um, and then yeah, I put my little twist on it. So whereas Absolutely. with BTA, it was more like, it, with BTA, we were, <laughs> I hate to say this, it's almost like we were naive enough. We were 20 <laughs> years old when we got signed. We were naive enough to think we're going to create something new. We're going to change the world with our music. It's going to all, you know, we're going to do something different. And then, and, and, you get older and you start going, man. You can't. Everybody's everybody's doing the same stuff. or like, It's just a matter of who's <laughs> who's doing it. Who's doing it the best? You know. Right. Anyway, some people are going to be screaming. Some people are going to be screaming at their podcast when they hear me say that. But like, I'm just saying. You know, as somebody who who was there mm-hmm. and lived it and is now on the other side, it's, it's just a reality. I can remember thinking, you know, if it's not if it's not unique, if it's not the most technical thing I've ever heard, if it's not if it sounds like anybody else, man, I'm just going to tell, I'm going to say they're, they're sellouts and, you know, (laughs) they're just ripping everybody off and we're going to make something new. And then of course, like two years after our CD comes out, it's like, Oh crap, we weren't new at all. Like we were just, we thought we were, you know, it was just ignorance. Um, (laughs) so now I'm kind of coming more from now I'm coming more from a position of like, I don't care if people, people can say, Oh, it sounds like Marilyn Manson. that's lame. Well, whatever. Like I, I wasn't I wasn't trying to copy Marilyn Manson, but if it sounds like that it sounds like that so
0: and it still sounds good so I think that's the whole point point. and yeah, also by the way, don't worry about people yelling at the podcast as you know that happens a lot. It's not a
1: <laughs> yeah <but> totally
0: <laughs> not a we new want a, we want
1: an emotional reaction maybe not a positive one but an emotional reaction is a good one.
0: Yeah any reaction whatsoever well <laughs> I'm gonna put right. this I'm gonna put this a different way because I know <laughs> you've been asked it probably a million times now but I'll do it this way. What do you have against guitarist?
1: What do I have? Well, okay. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I feel like if you take the guitar solos out of a band like Rage Against the Machine, take the solos out, mm-hmm. um, you could do a lot of what they did the way I'm doing it, which is, um, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not necessarily using a sound that makes my bass sound like a guitar, but I am. I am using some effects that, that pitch it, you know, do a, an octave pitch um, effect yeah. mm-hmm. and a couple other things. So, I mean, in a way, a band like Rage Against the Machine, I'm just using them as an example, is a very like bass groove driven kind of thing. And um, to me, it just kind of felt natural to to write that stuff myself, simplify, create a, um, a sustainable model mm-hmm. for music that I can do going forward. And, and one of the key, Key things for that is to simplify the amount of people who you know the cooks in the kitchen. Right. So with de- with death therapy, death therapy shouldn't ever have an issue of breaking up per se because it, it's basically me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then when I play when I play live, I have a drummer with me. So, um, but as far as writing the music, recording the music, um, you know, ninety nine percent of that was just me in the studio with the producer. So. Um, it didn't really have anything to do with. Oh, I don't want guitars on this. Right. right. Kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like. Well, you know, I think I can do the kind of groove sound that I want um, with bass, using the effects and stuff, and I can just keep it simple and just mm-hmm. let it be me. Um, and and that's really where I'm at, at this point in my life. I mean, I'm I'm older now. I've got uh, two kids at home, Fair and nice. um, you know, I'm I'm trying to figure out a way to do music sustainably. I don't want to just. Slap another band together, have five dudes argue with each other, right, and then break up in a year. Um, you know, yeah. put out a record and then break up in a year sure. because oh, this guy doesn't want to tour and this guy can't do this and this guy doesn't want to do this. And that that riff sucks, man. And like, <laughs> no, forget all that. I, I've been there, done that. We're just gonna this time. I'm gonna you know. Yeah, so so yeah, that's kind of where it's at.
0: Yeah. You know, I wanted to word it a certain way because I know people have asked a lot about that. But I bet oh, you yeah. if you pulled people listening to the album. I bet you a significant number would not have known that there was no guitar on that album.
1: Right. That's kind of that's kind of part of the challenge of it too is like I I am using effects but I'm not like I've had people come up to me at shows and say so are you like playing guitar tracks like from an iPad or from a computer I'm like no there's no like I'm playing what what is coming out. Right. So the cha- the challenge of that that is fun for me excuse me is is that I have to write these parts that are interesting enough Mm -hmm. that they can kind of carry the song forward and move, move the the groove forward. They can't just be like, you know, with a, I mean, it's going to sound bad and guitar players (laughs) will be screaming at the, at the, at the podcast now, but in in metal, you can get, you can get away with a lot on guitar in metal. If you just, if you just chug really fast or chug really hard or, you know, write a really chunky breakdown, you can get away with a lot because the guitar sounds so thick and, and you know beefy and everything else but with this it sounds full and it sounds thick but it doesn't it doesn't sound like a guitar right so uh, what i'm saying is I, I can't just i can't just chug on the open string it, it's just not going to work i have to do something else to fill out the space because otherwise it's going to be like man why is this bass player just playing open notes all the right. time right, right. um so yeah it's been it's been kind of a fun challenge and um you know Devin townsend is a huge influence on me. Uh, We did, BTA did a record with Devin back in 2008 Mm -hmm. and that completely changed my view of music and metal and everything. Um, And, and he's got, if you know Devin, I'm sure you do. Mm -hmm. You know, he's got, he's got records that go every, from every bit of dynamic range from, you know, quiet and groovy and, you know, to like the heaviest thing you've ever heard in your life and chaos. Mm -hmm. And so, so there was, there was a certain, level at which going all the way back to like 2010 2009 after we recorded with devin that i had this idea i wanted to write something you know groovy and and simple and you know like like i had heard him do from time to time but it's not like it you know it's not like i was trying to steal his idea it was more like hey i wish there was a band that did more of this mm-hmm. you know just kind of as part of their sound. And so I kind of ran with that idea, and and yeah, it just made sense to, to do it with bass mainly.
0: Yeah, so. it absolutely makes sense. Well, let's take that then, and let's go all the way back. So when did you actually start playing bass in the first place?
1: Hmm. I kind of accidentally started playing bass. Okay. Um And you know, all bass players are going to be screaming at the <laughs> podcast because I think, a, I think a lot of bass players. I think a lot of bass players end up that way. Um, you know, we there was. Uh, there was a sort of a need in our band for a bass player mm-hmm. and I was doing vocals already and it kind of almost just came natural for me up which, um, yeah, just sort of, I picked it up, started playing and practice and, yep. and doing the vocals and it worked. That was back when we were, I mean, we had to be 16, 17 years old, um, right. back, back then and, um, practicing in our drummer's parents' basement. So that goes, that goes way, way back. And, um, and honestly just over the years kind of, built built from there playing playing in a in a metal band i i didn't ever really learn a whole lot about playing playing bass per se i learned a lot about technique and how to play things fast and how you know play lots of different difficult things but i didn't learn a whole lot of music theory uh. um doing that but then as I've, as I've done more of my own stuff um i've learned I, you know kind of so it's this is a lot simpler a lot of people will not like death therapy because they want it to be BTA and they would be like, well, it's just so simple, it's not uh, technical. It's not, you know, but to me, it was, it was a, a different challenge because now I was trying to write melody lines and mm-hmm. groove lines that weren't strictly chromatic. And because, you know, with, I mean, with technical death metal, a lot of it's just, if people don't know what chromatic means, just, you know, real notes group together really fast, just going, yep. you know, br- 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 you know, like a lot of metal is just like that. And so, with this it was kind of like no the notes are going to be spaced out i got to think about what intervals i'm going to have here i got to think about what's going to sound good mm-hmm. what melodies can i put over this and that um so <laughs> to do some people it's like this isn't this isn't nearly as musical or technical and to me it's like this is the most um you know musical thing i've ever i've ever done on my own at least
0: you know sure. so Absolutely. And I don't know if I stated this at the beginning, but I'm a huge fan of this album. We talked about it on the weekly Ian Hates music show. Both myself and Jackson were huge fans. I think there's a lot of technical stuff in it, but I agree with you as well that it might not be seen as that way. But this is also kind of <laughs> a breath of fresh air in the scene as well, what you've done with this one.
1: Well, thank you. That's that's I mean, I hope I hope that's I hope that's true. I, I know that uh, we've had several people tell us that, and I listened to that podcast where you guys were oh, yeah. talking about it, just so you know.
0: Oh yeah. I don't think I said <laughs> and, anything bad. But, uh,
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, but, uh, you guys did point out you were like shocked that more people didn't know who we were. Yes. Right, um, he was like, he "Was like on Twitter, and there's like 300 followers, dude." Is is what's the deal with that? Is Twitter like, is Twitter going the way of the buffalo now? And <laughs> people are just using Instagram, or uh, do you have any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, actually, I was just talking. So we just went to So What Music Fest. We did a whole coverage, like official press, for the last three days or so, and we yeah. were told that Twitter's where you have to focus everything. But for me, I really? thought, yeah, I thought people were more focused on Facebook than they were Twitter, but and apparently... Instagram. Yeah, and Instagram, too, because it's just easy to put that picture on. Plus, you can share whatever you have on Instagram on Twitter and Facebook as well.
1: Yeah, I don't... I, like, I I feel like as we have grown our fan base as a band, we've seen a lot of folks interacting with us on Instagram, a lot of folks mm-hmm. interacting with us on Facebook, but almost nobody on Twitter. Um, It's just weird, because... yeah bta was bta was very big on twitter back in the day because right. twitter was kind of new i can even remember i know this sounds makes me sound super old i can <laughs> remember back when you used to have i can remember maybe you remember this i can remember back when you used to have to text your tweets
0: oh no i don't remember that a
1: certain, <laughs> no you used, to, you used to have to text your tweets to a certain number really to get them to post to get them to post this is back before everybody had smartphones.
0: ah that's um, wow i didn't know that so
1: so, if you wanted to post on Twitter while you weren't on the internet, you would like text it to a certain number, um, and it would post. So, so anyway, I can remember when Twitter was new and exciting and and different. But now I just feel like people don't don't, don't do Twitter so much. But anyway, um, I don't even remember what the question oh, was. No, I think Twitter I think, <laughs> I think you go.
0: answered it. Yeah, but I guess that actually leads me to another question: Is how do you plan on marketing the band and getting your name out there? Is it mostly focused on the touring then?
1: Man, that, and that's another thing that I've learned that I was ignorant about when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, because I can remember, I can remember being like 20 years old and being like, we don't need to do any marketing. We just, if our music stuff, people will get it and you know, and we'll get big because we're so good. Oh no! And, <laughs> and now, now I, now I'm older and I realize, man, no, talent has like, has, is like the smallest part of the equation. Unfortunately. Out, yep. This is, this, is a, this is a business. How are we going to market this thing? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we're doing we're doing touring um, as best we can. We're doing a bunch of festivals this summer. Oh, nice! Um, and we're we're, we're do, this tour is uh, we got another three weeks left on this tour.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we um, we're going to do as much as we can with that, um, and then we just put out a music video earlier yep. uh, this month. And um, yeah, I mean we're going to try to do try to do as much as we can. My my goal with Death Therapy, like I said, is to create something sustainable. And if that means if that means people um, People want more music more regularly
2: Mm -hmm. I'm
1: down for that I would like to put out I would honestly like to put out singles and EPs more so than full-length records because I feel like a lot of people are a lot of people are doing that so I don't know I don't know what it means but I know I'm gonna keep trying to write music I mean if if there's one negative thing I think you guys did say this if there's one negative thing people have set up this record
0: Mm -hmm.
1: that they feel like it's too short
0: oh
2: sure and
1: um, because the last two tracks are instrumentals and apparently Apparently, unless you're unless you're me and you listened to a lot of Dream Theater when you were sure. growing up, in, instrumental instrumentals don't count as tracks to, right. to other people. I'm like <laughs> I'm like I'm like, what are you kidding me? Like a favorite Dream Theater song for all instrumentals? Like I, get James LeBrie off the microphone for heaven's sake! <laughs> um, but you know, but um, but at the same time, I feel like a lot. Some people have said this record's too short. Well, there's there's a reason for that. Like I I was on the fence. About you know, should we write a full-length record or should we write an EP?
2: Ah, okay. um,
1: and then and and put out put out more music regularly. You know, rather than waiting two years like a lot of bands do, or two or three years mm-hmm. between full-lengths, could we do could we do a record every year or an EP every year or something? So, I'm just I'm literally just thinking out loud. Oh but yeah, I, I would love I would love to find ways to, you know, to do more, um, to do more stuff. I, I mean. I would love to find ways to incorporate our music into things like video games and stuff like that. Cause obviously you've listened to the record, you know, video games are a big influence Absolutely. on me musically and, um, and especially classic video games. And, um, so I'm a little, I'm a little bit of a geek for, for your shorter of your classic video games. Now I'm really excited about the new Zelda. If anybody ah. cares,
0: did you um, get the Nintendo
1: playing switch? That, so, uh, man, I, I wasn't one of those like 200 people that bought it the first day it came out. <laughs> right, and right. Nintendo hasn't restocked any more of them apparently, so uh, I'm just playing it on the Wii U. But it's really, really awesome.
0: So are those your favorite style of games then, Zelda's? Because for me, I would go Final Fantasy.
1: Oh well, I mean, okay, but but classic Final Fantasy for me. I, once they once they changed to a um, a non-turn based battle system, I kind of I kind of lost interest. Gotcha. I know that makes me super super old and corny, <laughs> but like. Final Fantasy one through ten, yeah, um, those are those are my jam. I'm all about those, and um, I I've play. I I've probably played seven, I don't know, ten times. Oh yeah,
0: that um, one changed my, my life. life. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, man, that's so. We can agree on that.
0: Absolutely. So you had mentioned music videos, and like you said, you just put out a music video for "Wake Me When I'm Dead." But then also, I wanted to note that you also have music videos for every other track on the album as well, and you did a like an overarching theme with every single music video where you focused on one item that was kind of yeah. floating. Can you go into that a little bit? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> it was it was an idea that um, that sort of was a collaboration between myself and the the guy who made the videos, mm-hmm. um, who's a guy named Kevin Johnson. Who does amazing music videos? He's done Silent Planets' last two videos. Oh, nice! And he did a Four Today video. He's, i mean mean—he's—he's he's killing it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you know, it's going to sound really corny if I say there's not like a deep meaning to it because people really like—I feel like people watch those videos and they're like, wow, this is like really meaningful. <laughs> like, but it was—it <laughs> was honestly more like it was honestly more like, dude, this is this would look really cool, right? Um. So you know, we picked we picked items that maybe do have some meaning or could have some meaning you know things like a key yeah. or a, a light or a you know um, an old an old radio or a journal or, you know things like that but um, if I, I would be lying if I said oh these are all tied into the you know some deeper meaning like Meh, they're really not it was just kind of a cool looking thing and um, yeah I think it's awesome to have a. Have YouTube video for every song on the record. People can go right now and stream every tra- every yep. track on the record with a lyric, cool lyric video. Um, I think that's awesome. I think that's really really awesome of our record label, Solid State, to yep. um, to do that because that that was their idea. Was hey, let's you know, let's just go ahead and rather than having people make these you know sort of <laughs> cobbled together lyric videos that you know are going to show up. Right. let's just we're just going to go ahead and make them and make them look awesome and. Um, I'm I'm really stoked they did that. So,
0: oh, that is a good idea. Now, did you go back to Solid State because of working with them with BTA?
1: Um, yeah, I mean a little bit. Um, but you know, we I just I never had anything negative to say about Solid mm-hmm. State. I never had any negative, uh, never any negative expectations or or experiences with them. So, I talked to them about you know were they interested. They were interested. We kind of you know talked about it what kind of deal they would do um, for us. And they're super cool. Um, you'll be hearing, I mean, to speak of wolves recently signed, I mean, they probably yep. announced that mm-hmm. and they were, so they're returning to solid state after a few years off. Right. Um, there's going to be some more news coming down the pipe that I can't say anything about, but other bands signing or re-signing with solid state. Norma Jean went back to Solid state. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. what I'm getting at is I think they're doing a lot of things really well. Yeah. And, yeah. um, so even though it was yes, yeah, sort of something I was looking at because I was familiar with them, it's also, they're a record label that's doing a lot of things really well. And, and I think there's, I think there are people out there who are jaded, who are like, you know, that are my age that are in their, their early 30s that They're like, man, it's all it's man, it used to be so great, but now they're not doing anything. And it's like, those people are just out of the loop. They don't yes. understand that like fit for a king and silent planet is, you know, they're killing it right now oh, yeah. and demon hunters killing it, mm-hmm. and um. You know, death therapy's killing. It. I'm just yeah, but, um, no, it's true. You know,
0: it should there's,
2: be.
1: there's lots of there's lots of really good stuff uh, happening. I think we're sort of we're seeing a a second golden age of of solid state records um, approaching, which I, I'm I'm hoping is the case because it would be cool to be a part of it. So
0: yeah, I mean, we just got back, like I said, from So What, and when I go to concerts on a regular basis, especially ones in the scene, the bands I'm seeing the most merchandise from is Silent Planet.
1: Oh yeah. They're just, I mean, they're, 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 killing it right now. So like I said, Fit for a King is doing the same mm-hmm. and several, several other bands, um, you know, wolves of the gate yeah. on tour with them right now. They're, they're awesome. And their, their latest record really raised oh. the bar is in my opinion for, for what can be done with, you know, like I said, sort of a hybrid of like indie rock and, um, metalcore. Yeah. and metal core, mm-hmm. which, um, which I feel like has, you know, it's, it's not like it's never been done before, but I don't feel like many people have done it as well as they do it. So, Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, but yeah.
0: No, we were a big fan of Types and Shadows. That's why I had Steve on the show as well, and it was great talking to him. Now, let me switch tracks a little bit here. Not only did we talk about the bass, but I also want to talk about your vocals, because I am a huge fan of what you're doing, especially with your unclean vocals. When did you decide you wanted to do vocals in the first place? And then also, did you have any formal training for it?
1: Okay, so... I again, sort of like with bass, I was almost accidentally stumbled into it. Okay. And um, and we we started out at one point, the band just kind of goofing off, playing playing in the drummer's basement, fam parents' basement, and um, I was just with a friend hanging out, overlooking what was going on. And then one of the vocalists, because uh, at the time I think there were two vocalists in the band, you know, we thought we were unique. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've already said that, but yeah, I decided he, he was kind of done and I was like, Oh, I'll try this and it'd be kind of fun. And, um, I, my background as a vocalist actually was, was singing in, I sang in chorus sure. in high school and in college. I actually went to college uh, partially with a, a choir scholarship.
2: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: And, uh, and so, uh, of course my chorus teachers always hated me for being <laughs> in a metal band and right. screaming and stuff, but, um, but yeah, to a certain extent, I think it has helped um, because I would always try to prepare myself for the studio and for live performances by warming up my vocal cords and trying to take care of my voice. And, you know, never I've never been one of those sort of like, you know, just scream until I'm, you know, spewing blood out of my mouth kind of metal vocalist. It's always, it's always, my attempt has always been to be a little more precise, precision based kind of. I want people to be able to hear what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Devin Townsend's very much that way. Like when Devin screams in his music, he's very clear about what he, you know what I mean? You right. Can, mm-hmm. You can hear, you can tell what he's saying. It's not just, you know, growling or gurgling kind of thing. And That's cool when people do that, but that's never been my style. Right. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's sort of my, my vocal story uh, with, with death therapy, you know, I wanted to, to push it as much as I could and do all sorts of different styles.
0: Um, and did, so there's, yeah.
1: There's four or five, six, seven, you know, whatever different styles of vocals going right. on on this record. And, and, um, and I, you know, some of them maybe I'm better at than others, but I'm um, trying to kind of show a little bit of my range. I mean, guys um, like Jesse Leach would be somebody that ah, I sorry. consider is just having a phenomenal vocal range. I mean, he can do, you know, he can do everything from right. clean, amazing, clean vocals to screaming. and um, You know, so I'm hoping maybe to to show people a little bit of my resume. Yeah, <laughs> with this record.
0: And I think it definitely does come out in the record for sure. So is there a specific message that you were trying for with the storm before the calm? Like anything you actually sat down cuz you talked about mostly being organic and doing that whole, yeah. you know, writing with a flow, but is there anything you were really trying to say with this album specifically?
1: Yeah, I mean, okay, so death therapy is is Six years removed from becoming the archetype for me,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, because I left in 2010, 2011. Right, Um, becoming the archetype, you could say lyrically, thematically, fits pretty neatly into the sort of Christian metalcore mold. As Mm -hmm. far as the songs are about, the songs are about, you know, Armageddon and things like that. A lot of the times, I mean, the first record was especially about that, and that's what you know people love. That sure. First record um, from becoming I an architect. Well, this record was much more of like a like something personal. Like, hey, I want to say, I want to talk about what's going on, you know, inside of me. Um, you know, things I feel like suck, The things I, about yeah. me or about life or about whatever. I mean, even even to the point of even to the point of being like, is it cool to be a Christian and say that I feel hopeless? Like, is it cool to can can you say that kind of stuff, or do like Christians have to like, sugarcoat everything and make it all sound nice? Sure. And like, I, um, this is a little bit like almost like a little bit of a side, you know, sermon to answer your question. But like, I think one of the reasons people get so sick of hearing Christians crap is that it's it seems so much like a fantasy land that doesn't actually have any reality. And like, um. So if you were to ask a hundred people, like, why do you think Christianity sucks? Mm -hmm. You know, the number one answer everybody gives is hypocrisy. I mean, everybody said there's so so many freaking hypocrites. Sure. Okay. Well, I think deep down underneath that, if you were to dig a little deeper, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it comes down to people went to church or they heard somebody talk about Jesus and it was like this, like, you know, sugarcoated, like, you know, smiley, you know, farting rainbows kind of thing. (laughs) And like when, when, when life gets real, they're like no, li- life sucks sometimes. Is yep. it okay to say that? And what they what they think is they look over and they see the Christians who are all like we have to fake it and we have to smile and we can't say that cuz we have to be happy. It's almost I mean, I know it's I, anyway, I'm kind of going off on, on a tangent, oh, but go my ahead. point is with my point is with this record, I basically just wanted to be like, look, let's just be real for a minute. Like right. um if I'm going to say I'm a Christian, if I'm going to say I believe this stuff, like it it's got to be strong enough to stand up to like the crap that I'm going through. Like if life sucks, I can say it sucks. Like, you know, and, and, um, so for a lot of people who may be like, you know, like the fans on tour that we're meeting fans of like red or, or whoever else that are used more used to sort of the Christian rock radio station kind of stuff. This record may seem really dark and almost hopeless to them. But I think to the people who've gone through the stuff I've gone through, struggled with depression, struggled Mm -hmm. with, anxiety disorders and things like that i mean they really i'm hoping they'll get a lot out of it and understand that like i'm just trying to say um the storm before the calm is the record i'm trying to say like even even when we're in the middle of the storm we can still have hope right um and i think i think that's what a lot of people feel like is missing from christianity is they feel like. Yeah, cool. Christianity was a cool thing to do when I was like 15 and like there was pizza at youth group. And then like I grew up, I grew up, life got real and like I got problems and like that, you know, it didn't help me anymore. So screw that. Um, And I'm kind of like coming at it from the other angle of like, yeah, I hear that. (laughs) But I'm also not I'm also not throwing it away. So anyway.
0: No, that makes total sense and for me not being a religious person, that's how yeah. I connect more to the type of music that you're making because yeah, life can really really suck from time to time and right, yeah. to face that head on and to not sugarcoat it, exactly what you said, is to me anyways the best way to do it. I know they did a study talking about how people that listen to like metal and hardcore music younger, you know, yeah. in their life actually tend to adapt better to real life situations and don't have as much depression and issues because they're not getting that poppy like, Oh, everything's going to be okay. Blah, blah, blah. They know that life is going to really kick your ass sometimes. And then sometimes it's going to be great. (laughs) It's just, you know, it's kind of the way it is.
1: No, I'm, yeah, I'm with you. And I think that's, uh, you know, I think that's, that's a lot of what I wanted to say on this record was, um, you know, here I am, um, i'm i'm you know i'm sort of in the minority i've i'm i'm 33 years old i was in a in a, in a quote-unquote christian metal band and that's over and now here i am and i'm still a christian that, right. that's the minority let's be real mm-hmm. the majority of people they started in a christian metal band when they were 18 they're like man we're gonna get everybody saved and we're gonna go preach at the certain you know at our at, at bars and stuff and then by the time they got to be 25 they were like man i don't believe that crap anymore right um so here I am in the minority and what do I have to say is kind of the way I was approaching it. What what do I as a dude who's still you know, still a person of faith? What do I have to say to the world? And what I want to say to the world is um, this is worth investigating because I think it does stand up to the you know, whatever crap life throws at you. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Christianity was ever intended to be what Americans have made it out to be, right? Sort of like a a frilly like, Hey, try Jesus and he'll make your life better kind of thing. Like I, I don't see any of that in what Jesus taught. Um, so it's a, it's a whole long story, but basically to say like, you know, that's where I was coming from with this record. It's like, I, you know, there's a song on the record called slow dance with death Mm -hmm. and the lyrics basically are just, the lyrics basically are just, I'm tired of just surviving slow dancing with death every day of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to live like, Literally, that's almost all the words of that song. Like, I feel like that's coming from a place that most people can understand. Like, that was something really going on inside of me. Like, I'm tired of this. Like, I'm tired of just barely getting through every day. I'm tired of this. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of times Christians in particular, especially ones who write music, feel like, well, I have to, I have I can say that, but then I have to like add this other stuff on to make it seem okay. Mm -hmm. Because I don't want people to think I'm sad. Right. And it's like, right. no, you don't. You don't have to add anything on. Why don't you just say, no, I'm tired of this? Because then someone like you, like you're saying, someone like yourself, who's not religious, can go, hey, you're human too.
2: Right. Like, <laughs> we, yep.
1: You know what I mean? <laughs> We're living on the same planet here. We we get each other, as opposed to like Christians trying to be almost like this alien thing that doesn't get sad or doesn't get depressed mm-hmm. or you know, it's like uh, anyway. It's just not the way it works.
0: No. So. Absolutely. Kind of go off on that a little bit, and maybe this is even way more than we have to go into, but it seems like with your view of Christianity, have you kind of moved away from organized religion?
1: Um, no, I wouldn't say that. I okay. mean, I, you know, I mean, I would say that I would say that I'm always going to be the weird guy in the middle, um, and that goes for most things. Like, Let's say, let's take religion out of it for a second and mm-hmm. talk about politics. Sure, All of my, all of my, all of my friends who are on the left, as far as politics, are always going to think I'm like a raging conservative on the right. And all right. my friends who are on the right are going to think I'm a raging liberal on the left. I get the same I'm thing. Always yeah. a, I'm always <laughs> that annoying guy who's trying to just be like, trying to just be real. Yeah. And like, and it makes me almost this wacky moderate in the middle kind of thing. But I hate the word moderate. It's a yeah. crappy word, but like, um. But what I'm saying is the same thing goes with 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 religion and Christianity or church or whatever you mm-hmm. want to say. It's like, um, I'm just going to be that guy who's sort of like I don't think we've been doing it right. I don't think the way a lot of people are still doing it is right. Um, but I'm not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. I'm not saying that you know. So I'm never going to be one who's like. Going to say, you know, uh, or down with all organized religion because man, a lot, a lot of good things have been done in the name of organized religion, True. but a lot of really, really crappy things have been done, and a lot of horrible things have also been done. So what I yep. want to do is be more like I want to be more like a reformer kind of person from the inside, saying like, let's fix our crap, let's let's stop doing these horrible, horrible things. Um, but it, it, you know, from my perspective, it doesn't help. To throw the pendulum all the way to the opposite side, right? It's the same way. Like I said, it's the same way with politics. It's like um, I'm never going to be that guy who like just goes, "Well, man, did you see what the Republicans did? Screw that!" And just like jump all the way to the other side of the boat and become, you know, super left winger guy. Like I'm just not that guy. I'm more. I'm more inclined to be like. Dude, I need to sit down with my Republican friends and tell them that they're, they're freaking screwed up. Like, yeah, right. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I want to be the guy, I want to be the person who tries to make change from within, kind of guy, if that makes any sense.
0: I'm kind of on the same wavelength as you with that as well. I get the same exact thing. I just want to be, like you said, it's, I know it's cliche sometimes to say real. But it's just one of those things where yeah, I want to yeah. be a logical thinker and know that sometimes there's going to be stuff on the left that's right, and sometimes there's going to be stuff on the right that's exactly. right. That kind of thing. But right, people, and some, they and the, just don't do it. Yeah,
1: and the same thing, that's the same way I'm approaching the, re- the the religion or the faith thing. It's like, I'm like, sometimes Christians sound like idiots, and I want to say it. <laughs> and, right. I, and sometimes, sometimes people who... You know, sometimes people who are critiquing Christians sound like idiots. Oh yeah, and sometimes atheists too sound like and, idiots. Yeah, yeah. I want to, I want to say that too, but the, where I feel like it puts me is in the middle, where like it's difficult. You know, everybody I got atheist friends who are looking at me like, man, I can't believe you still believe this stuff. And I got Christian friends who are looking at me like, man, I can't believe you're so charitable to those atheist people when right. you're talking to them. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm just trying to like think through this stuff, mm-hmm. and I mean, you could probably back me up on this. I don't want to be wrong.
2: Like, yeah, I mean, that may be, be
1: selfish. Right, that right. may be selfish, but I like—I don't like to be wrong in my life. So, yep. like, if it turns out—if it turns out that Christianity's false, I want to know, and I want to get off this praying. Like, and believe it or not, and this is this is your little Bible verse for the day. Sure. Believe it or not, that's actually that's actually a biblical idea.
2: Oh, okay. Apostle
1: Paul in First Corinthians per, Apostle Paul in Corinthians, verse fifteen, uh, or excuse me, First Corinthians, chapter fifteen, said. Said if Jesus hasn't really been risen from the dead, Christianity's empty and pointless. Ah, like he straight okay. up said that. So, so here I am in 2017 saying the same thing. Like if right. this isn't true, forget it. Like I'm not in it for the. I'm not in it for the tradition. I'm not in it for the the way it makes me feel. I'm not in it for any of that stuff. So that sets me free. Like I say, to write a record like this where I just want to, you know, just be real with stuff. And yeah,
0: yeah. I connect a lot with that. I think a lot of the audience connects as well, and that's one of the reasons why I really enjoy this album.
1: Well,
2: thanks,
0: man. Absolutely. Well, look, let's leave music on the side and religion and politics on the side for a second. I found out something about you that I'm hoping is true that I read on the internet. I know you can't (laughs) believe everything that's on the internet, but I remember and this is the last time I need to bring up BTA, but I remember on the last album that you were on you had that track, Path of the Beam. Are you... Truly, a Stephen King Dark Tower fan.
1: Oh yeah, man. Yes. I, okay. Listen, I the the day the wind through the keyhole came out, which yep. is the eighth installment. Mm-hmm. I, I, the day it came out, I, I I bought it. I mean, I was just like, Same it here. was like going to hang out with my old friends. Again.
0: Yes, it, it was really so was. Cool. Absolutely. So
1: so yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I'm a little nervous about what they're gonna do with the movie. Me too. Um, you know, I'm a little nervous, but I'm hoping it'll turn out really cool. I think the actors they picked are really really good. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that um, of the Dark Tower. That was a that was a huge influence on that last record that we did um, lyrically, mm-hmm. and even to a certain extent on the third record that we did. It was it was an influence. So yeah, big big fan of that. And he can keep giving me new installments to fill in the gaps from the old books, and I'll I'll keep reading them. Absolutely. <laughs> there, well, could be a, there could be a hundred of them, and I wouldn't stop reading. I
0: know, them, right? <laughs> no, I'm totally with you. I actually I have the Mark of Eld tattooed on me because I love the book oh, so much. Awesome. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. Now, did you see that in the the poster for the movie, that he actually has the Horn of Eld? Do you know that they're doing it almost not necessarily a sequel, but that they can change the story because he does have the horn?
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, I've heard a little bit about that, and that's part of what makes me a little nervous, but, sure. um, but yeah, I mean, I'm... I, I don't don't make me think too much about it, man. That's gotta be one of my that's gotta be one of my that's gotta be one of my worst qualities in life is I'll overanalyze everything. So
0: I think I'm that's what I'm trying to talking.
1: almost just with 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 this with this movie, I'm trying my hardest to just like not have expectations. Sure. It's so hard I want to I want to I wanna be like nitpicking it, but anyway.
0: Were you a fan of Stephen King initially and then got into that or are you just a Dark Tower fan?
1: I'm, I'm mainly just a dark tower fan. Okay. Like I, I have, I have, we, we used to, this is going to sound really corny, but we used to ride around in the BTA van. and, uh, we would get like Stephen King books and short stories and stuff on CD yeah. like audio book mm-hmm. and listen, listen to them. So, so yeah, I like a lot of his stuff, but the main thing I'm in it for is, is the dark tower series. Yeah. I think it's just one of the best, best fantasy, um, you know, pieces that have been written and i've recommended it to so many people i know aren't stephen king fans um just because i think it's so good yep a fantasy adventure kind of story
0: nope i've done the same exact thing yeah because there's only some slight horror in it but it's everything else all rolled into one so yeah that's just awesome i love talking to someone about the dark tower because it is relatively rare to find someone who's read especially when through the keyhole as well right oh yeah well look I think I've reached the end of some of my questions here. I think I'm pretty good and I don't want to take up too much more of your time because I know you have a show tonight. So I just want to once again say that The Storm Before the Calm is a really great album. I very much enjoyed it. I think everyone needs to check it out. I'm going to have links in the bio for every way that people can support you in death therapy right now. But what is the best way for people to support you?
1: I mean, right now, it just comes down to to sharing the music with their friends, getting it out there, um, getting the word out. Um, we've had a really, really cool, really good response. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we, I feel like we're still almost in a, in a little bit of a bubble, where, you know, the people that, the people that that we expected to hear about this record, have heard about it now, and they like it. Yeah. Which is really, really good. Mm-hmm. But now we got to get to that second group of people, which are the people that we didn't expect to hear about this record um and reach those people so the main thing people can do to support us right now is just to you know get the cd um whether it's whether you're just listening to it on spotify or whatever Mm -hmm. and share it with people like you know spread it around find you know it's i hope it's a record that people can enjoy regardless of what style of heavy music they like if they like heavy music share it with them see if they like it Um, because i hope i think i think they will and um and that that's the biggest thing people can do is sort of help us in a grassroots movement here. Um, that there is not like a, you know, we're, we're not going to be that band that, you know, blows up overnight. Um, we're just, we, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we're just, we're just not that bad. We're more of a grassroots kind of thing. Like people who like it really dig it. Um, but a lot of times those people are also really antisocial yeah. and they just keep things, they keep things to themselves. I know I'm bad about that. So yeah. it's like, Got to get outside the box a little bit and share it with some people. Be like, hey, have you heard this? Because it's really cool. And, um, so yeah, that's what I would encourage people to do if they want to help us out.
0: So. Sounds good. We'll definitely continue that as well. So once again, Jason, much appreciated for you being on the show. I hope you have a great show tonight and continued success, man.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Welcome back, everyone. The track that you just heard was called The Lie. And once again, that is off of the debut full-length album, The Storm Before the Calm, obviously by Death Therapy and Jason Wisdom. That was a really cool and interesting in-depth conversation with Jason. I would like to thank him once again for taking time out of his busy tour schedule to come on the show and have such a great conversation. I'd also like to thank Jerry for helping set all of this up once again much appreciated don't forget to support jason and death therapy by going to the links in the description of this episode pick up the storm before the calm pick up some merchandise go see them on tour you know it's unique you know it's going to be interesting he's making some really great music so you got to check it out plus you can follow the other links in the description of the episode to support ian hates music If you like what you heard and you enjoy hearing great bands and great musicians talk about this really, really amazing music, then reach out, follow those links, rate and subscribe on iTunes and all that other stuff. You know the deal. And also, don't forget that Ian Hates Music has a weekly show where my co-host Jackson and I talk about all the music in the scene, all the news, all the new songs, all the album reviews, and really anything else we want because we like to have fun and we like to talk to you guys. We like to share great music. So what better way to leave this conversation with Jason than to play one more track from The Storm Before the Calm. This one is called Wake Me When I'm Dead. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Don't forget to support Jason and Death Therapy. And I will leave you, the way I always do, long days and pleasant nights. Thanks, everyone.